Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing today? I pray that you're well. I I could probably record that beginning of the program every day because I mean it every day. I say it every day. I love you every day because God loves you every day, every moment, all the time, whether we feel it or not. There are people that you love and they don't always feel your love, but you love them anyway. And you may not always feel that you love them, but you love them anyway. But God is not a God of emotions like us, although he's given us the gift of emotions. And he does love. He does love. But he is love. So it's not depending on circumstances for God. It's not depending upon how lovable we are. It depends upon God alone, who is a God of love. And if you love him, he loves you. And if you don't love him, he loves you anyway. Tough, tough. You are loved by the God who loved you and gave himself for you. And he never stops giving himself for you. So we are determined to um, to know our faith together, that we can live our faith, not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but truly, truly li- know our faith. We cannot live a faith we do not know. And um, if you're a priest, I want to beg you, dear priest, Um, when you give your homilies, don't just tell people how to live because they may or may not be inspired by your homily, but they'll leave the church, go back to their mundane life, and um, it will have very little effect on them because all they hear are shoulds. They need to know who they are. They need to know the faith. And the last few minutes of, of your homily, maybe just the last 30 seconds can be application. But if you don't teach them the faith, they're going to walk away. Um, I don't know what the word is, uh, dejected or ignorant or uh, unknowledgeable about their faith. And it'll be nice that they've been to church, be a little bit uplifting. Certainly if they've received the Holy Eucharist, God is our life. But they will not know the faith and they'll go home to the same circumstances, the same problems over and over and over again. You must teach them, dear bishops, dear priests, to teach the people the faith. Feed my sheep, our Lord said. Now, who am I, a sheep, telling you, priests and bishops, what to do? I'm not telling you. I'm begging you. We need you to teach us. We need you to feed us. We need you to live your vocation. Um, And feed God's sheep. We need you to do that. So, what we're going to do is go through the Catechism Explained, the Catechism of Trent Explained um, by uh, Spirago and Clark. Uh, It's a manual for the use of the preacher, the catechist, the teacher, and the family. And we are all about the family. So we're going to do that. And we are now, we went through the introduction, and we are now on part one, which is our faith. Our faith. And point one of part one, is the knowledge of God. We must have that, beloved. We must have the knowledge of God. And you say, well, I know who God is. I know God. I have a relationship with him. This is a good thing. But you know, you can have a relationship with a person that you're dating, but you don't get to know them really till you're married to them. And even when you're married to them, if you're focused on yourself, on your dreams, on what you wish, on what you wish him or her to be, uh, your marriage will fail. Because you don't know that person. And and sometimes a husband will come home from work and his, his co-workers or his employees will just rate, your husband is the kindest, most wonderful person in the world. And you're going to think, uh, it's because you don't live with him at home. You don't know him. Well, the fact is they do know him. 
they do know him. They're not telling a lie. He's not putting on an act. It's truly him. But he's different than he is at home. Why? Because at home they respect him and they love him and he gives himself for others. And when that's at work, rather. And when he's home, he's criticized, he's put down, he's not respected, and maybe he doesn't take up his role as a a good husband and father, but at work he does take up his role as a good employer or employee. So all of those things are true. And when we treat others the way we wish to be treated, we're going to see beautiful things come out of them. I promise you, dear men, if you lay down your life for your wife as Christ did for the church, which is your vocation, Ephesians chapter 5, you will see the bride that you married. You will get to know her and see her in a whole new way. Will she have changed? Well, she will have changed in her behavior, but not in who she is. She is that all along. But your behavior has not allowed the beauty in her to come out. And the same thing, wives, if you're controlling to your husband's If you're always running things, controlling things, bossing them around, disappointed because they don't live up to what you expect, you're not going to see your husband. You're going to see him, but you're going to see a man that's going to be distant and he's going to keep to himself. And you're not going to see a knight in shining armor. You're going to see a wimp because um, you won't allow him to be anything else. So when we love, when we truly are focused on the other person, not what we want them to be, we will see who they are and we will, um, we will have a life with that person that we never ever, we hoped would be true, we, we didn't think could be true. I've seen it happen in families and in marriages. So now we begin, beloved, with the knowledge of God, not who we think him to be, not who we want him to be, but who he is. And I promise you that who God is is way beyond what you ever thought he could be, right? And even beyond what you, what you want him to be. What you want him to be is a genie. Someone will give you a happy marriage, a good job, a wonderful ability to support your family, good health, a, a peaceful life. That's what you want. But you see, we're in a fallen world, and the only way for God to grow us up is through suffering and trials. It's the only way we grow. And the trials you have are the trials that God has brought, whether he's brought them directly, as he did to St. Paul, um, a messenger of God sent a messenger of Satan to buffet him, Paul says, uh, or whether they are simply allowed by God. They're from God. It doesn't matter if he purposes them or it's his permitted will that he allows them. They're still from God. And if you reject them, if you complain, if you don't trust God, then you lose the grace that he's sending you. He's giving you the trials to make you into the person that you want to be and who he created you to be. So the only way that'll happen, beloved, if we know who God is and we don't live life uh, thinking who God should be and what he should be doing. Because who he is and what he is doing is a million times greater than anything we could think of or invent. So we'll begin with the knowledge of God. And the authors say this, the knowledge of God consists in the knowledge of his perfections, his works, his will, and the means of grace instituted by him. Now, if you don't know his perfections, his works, his will, and the means of grace instituted by him, you know very little of God. St. Paul bids us to, quote, increase in the knowledge of God, end quote, from Colossians 1. Now we only know God through a glass in a dark manner, which also St. Paul wrote, only in heaven shall we see him face to face and have a clear knowledge of of his perfections. That's 1 Corinthians 13. That's the love chapter. We see him only now through a glass dimly. And so point one in the knowledge of God is the knowledge of God um, is the happiness of the angels and the saints consists in the knowledge of God. The happiness of the angels and saints 
consists in the knowledge of God. And you and I, beloved, I don't know what these authors will say, but I'll tell you right now, you are a saint if you're baptized. You are a saint. My Protestant pastor wonderfully used to say, there's two people in the world, the saints and the ain'ts. And if you're baptized, you're a saint. If you're not baptized, you're an ain't. Okay, that's not definitive, but that's in general. Um, If you're baptized, you are a saint. What is a saint? Is a saint someone who's perfect? No. A saint is someone who's holy. Does holy mean you're perfect? It does not. It means you're consecrated, that you're set apart for God. And every Catholic is through baptism, is set apart for God. You are a saint. You are not as you will be one day in heaven, perfect, but you are a saint. You are set apart, consecrated for God in this world, that you might be with him in the next. Our Lord tells us that this is eternal life. John chapter um, um, 17, verse 3. This is eternal life that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Do you have eternal life? You do, beloved. Eternal life is not merely a length of life. It's a kind of life. It's God's life in you. And it begins now on earth through our baptism. This is eternal life, that they may know thee. It's our Lord's high priestly prayer the night before he was crucified, that they the people whom you've given me, dear Father, may know thee, Jesus Christ, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, that they may know thee, Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is the food of which the archangel Raphael spoke when he said to Tobias, quote, I use an invisible meat and drink which cannot be seen by men an invisible meat and drink. That's Tobias chapter 12. That's the Old Testament where we did not yet have the Eucharist, an invisible meat and drink that was from the manna in the wilderness with which God fed his people. An invisible meat and drink. We see it as uh, looking like a wafer and wine, but it's not. It's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord in the Eucharist. In heaven... The saints and angels have an immediate knowledge of God. And in the best um, and the beatific vision, they have an immediate knowledge of God in the beatific vision. When they see him, beatific, I'm sorry, in the beatific vision, when they see him face to face. We on earth only know God through the medium of his works and what he has revealed to us. Our knowledge compared with that of the saints and angels is like the knowledge of a country that what one gets from maps and pictures as compared with the knowledge of one who has himself visited it. We're not there yet, but we shall one day awaken his likeness. We shall one day, First um, John, John wrote um, in First John chapter 3, one day we will see him face to face. We see through a glass dimly, but one day we'll see him as he is. So point one of the knowledge of God is to know that the happiness of the angels and the saints consists in the knowledge of God. And they have perfect happiness, beloved, because they have a knowledge of God we don't have here on earth. We have some, what he's revealed to us, but we don't have what they have. Point two, the knowledge of God is all important, for without it, there cannot be any happiness on earth or a well-ordered life. If we don't know God, we may know who he is in part, but if we don't know him, beloved, if we don't know him personally, if we haven't experienced God, if we don't have a relationship with him, if we don't know who he is, then we will not be happy on earth and we will not live a well-ordered life because we're going to do our own thing. And God is an, a God of order and design, not of craziness and um, disorder. The knowledge of God is the food of our soul. Without it, the soul feels hungry. We become discontented. He who does not possess interior peace cannot enjoy riches, health, or any of the goods of this life. 
they all become distasteful to him. Have you met very wealthy people who are very, very sour? They don't enjoy what they have. Uh, They don't enjoy this life um, because they don't know him. And uh, they're, they're all secular and they don't know God. Few think about this food of the soul. They busy themselves, as our Lord says, with the meat that perishes. Without the knowledge of God, a man is like one who walks in the dark and stumbles at every step. He has no end or aim in life, no consolation in misfortune, and no hope in death. You hear that? He stumbles at every step. He has no end or aim in this life, no purpose, no end, no aim, no meaning, no consolation in misfortune. He complains, he's unhappy, there's no consolation in misfortune, and no hope in death. Where is our hope in death? And, and St. Paul wrote, death, where is thy sting? We're going to see God. We're going to be raised from the dead. Of course we have hope in death. We have the greatest hope in death, that we will finally see God. We will finally reach the end for which we're created, if we know him, if we're on our way to heaven. He cannot have any solid, this is the person without knowledge of God, he cannot have any solid or lasting happiness or any true contentment. Now, if you're listening to this, beloved, and you say, you know, this description fits me, but I know God. I've been to Mass every Sunday of my life. I I keep the commandments. I know God. I'm going to tell you, you don't. Blessed be God that you've been faithful, that you go to Mass, that you go to church, that you you keep the commandments as best you know, and uh, all of that. Blessed be God. But remember the rich young ruler that came to God and said, what else do I need? What do I need for eternal life? And God knew he was rich. God knew he had every single thing the the world could give. God even knew, the rich young man, he, he said, I keep the commandments. God even knew that he did his best to keep his faith. He knew that. He was a good Jew. God knew that. But God said to him, one thing you lack, go sell everything. Give to the, he didn't salary. Give to the poor and come follow me. What did this man lack? He had everything. The world could give everything. And as far as he was concerned, he was a good Jew. But God said, no. Give to the poor everything you have and come follow me. Because he was living maybe a legalistic life. Maybe he kept the commandments. In my Protestant years, we learned he did not because he could not. Well, we can keep the commandments with the grace of God. We can. Without him, we can do nothing. With him, we can. Because his life is in us, he fulfilled them and gives us the power to keep them. Absolutely, he does. But what if we do all that? We're good. We think we're good people. And yet we walk around sour and unhappy and critical of everything and everyone. I'm going to tell you, if that's you, If that's me, then we don't know God. No matter what we think, we don't know God. And we hurt his heart because we do all those things and we think we're good and we think we know him and we don't. And he would say to you, give everything you have away and come follow me. And you say, but you do follow. I do follow you, Lord. I never miss Mass. I pray the rosary every day. I I, I do. I volunteer. I do all those things. What do you mean follow you? I do follow you. And he'll say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Because to follow me is to lay down your life for others. If you walk around with a bitter heart, if you criticize everyone, if you're discontent, if you're unhappy, I'm telling you it's because you don't know me. You don't follow me. Give up your life. Lay it down. Give it up. Be faithful, yes, to the Catholic faith. But follow me. My favorite psalm, rather I should say, well, it's my favorite psalm because the last stanza of it, pretty much, the next to last stanza, is my favorite stanza. And it's Psalm 73, 72 in the old rendering. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And on earth I desire nothing but thee, and no one but thee. My heart and my flesh may fail, but thou art the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I can recite that a hundred times a day because I love it. 
it's, it is my heart. And when I fail, it's what I want my heart to be. Always. It's the only source of peace. The only source of peace. We've been in Tulsa now for over three years, knowing that we have to leave, knowing that we don't have yet a bishop or a home. We're looking for one, but we don't have. And, and many have refused us for reasons that are not good. Not good, I would say. Um, they've been allowed by God. And are we miserable? Are we bitter? Are we unhappy? No. We're at peace. We love God. We love his ways. We trust his ways. We trust the God who loved us and gave himself for us. Can we say with the psalmist, how long, O Lord? Yes, but not with a complaining heart. Not at all, because we know that God, Father, knows best. We know that his ways are perfect. We know that, not just intellectually. It's been proven over and over and over again. And if we ever fail to recall it, all we have to do is look at the cross. And we see it. Without the knowledge of God, a man is like one who walks in the dark and stumbles at every step. He has no end or aim in life, no consolation in misfortune. You say, why should we have consolation in misfortune? What kind is that? Because we do. We're going to have much misfortune in this life. Our consolation is not in misfortune or in fortune. I'm going to tell you, if your consolation is in fortune, it's not consolation in God. It's like a child who gets the lollipop when he wants it. Take the lollipop away and he's miserable. No, our consolation is in God. And circumstances don't create the consolation, nor do they disturb it or take it away. Without a knowledge of God, a well-ordered life is impossible. Just as an untilled field produces no good fruit, so a man who has not the knowledge of God can produce no good works. Ignorance and forgetfulness of God are the cause of most of the sins that men commit. I'm going to repeat that one. Ignorance and forgetfulness of God are the cause of most of the sins that men commit. Rash and false oaths, I'm going to do this from now on, New Year's Eve, I do this, I'm never going to do this again. Those are rash, and they're false because they don't last. Rash and false oaths neglect the service of God and of the sacraments. Hold on now, one second. Make sure I'm on the right page. Yes. Rash and false oaths neglect the service of God and of the sacraments, the love of gold, the sinful indulgence of the passions are all due to willful ignorance and forgetfulness of God. Oh, beloved, that music for our break is good because it gives us a breather, but there's so much here that I, I always hate to stop, but we're going to. In the next half hour, dear ones, we're going to take your calls, your emails, your texts, whatever's on your heart and mind. If you want me to speak further on what we're speaking about um, or a completely different subject, call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. 
It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. St. Thomas Aquinas said, To convert somebody, go and take them by the hand and guide them. One way to do this while on the road is by using our Catholic Radio Bumper Magnet, which has been a tool of conversion in many lives. We offer free bumper magnets to promote Catholic Radio so others will come to know our Lord through listening. For your free bumper magnets, click the Promote tab at the top of our website, thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab at the top of our website. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio wherever your journeys take you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. I am she and uh, you are... You. (laughs) And we have a half hour together. So call in toll free with anything at all on your heart or text or email at 1-877-511-5483. Email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have a text from Austin and Austin says, I've seen documented on YouTube and other Internet platforms stories when two people decide on in vitro fertilization and become pregnant did god have a hand in them becoming pregnant did god cause that pregnancy does that child have a soul the answer is absolutely yes absolutely yes every child conceived has a soul uh whether morally or immorally in vitro fertilization Excuse me, it's a very grave sin. And if you're Catholic and you know that, for you it's a mortal sin. You have separated yourself from God. No artificial means are to be used. No birth control, no in vitro fertilization, no test tube babies, no artificial insemination. Nothing outside of the natural procreation uh, between a man and a woman is moral. And yet God respects his creation and gives a soul to every single one conceived, whether in rape or uh, in sin. Whatever, well, rape is also sin, but the the victim may not be in sin, that's for sure. But um, God gives a soul. I looked this up because I'll tell you the truth. This has been a confusing question for me. If we know that people are acting outside, whether they know it or not, we know as Catholics that this is outside of the church teaching, that it is within the church teaching, that is a very gravely sinful means of having a child, then we say, then why would God participate in that? And I looked this up yesterday, actually, and found a wonderful article by Todd Aglierdord, I can't pronounce it, Aglialord. No, Aglialoro, how's that? Todd, if you're listening, I apologize. Aglialoro, perhaps, um, on the Catholic Answers website. CatholicAnswersCatholic.com is just about the best website you could ever go to for clarity on the faith. Catholic.com, EWTN, um, uh, Catholics United for the Faith, CUF, CUF. Those are wonderful apologetic websites. Um, But let me read you this article because it really... Um, it went a little further than this question, but I, I'm guessing that Austin, uh, this is part of your question. Does that child have a soul? And the answer is yes. And then why would God cooperate in what seems to be such evil? And a question on, on this website is why would God give us the intelligence 
um, how can the church be opposed to the creation of life? If God gives that baby a soul, then God is involved in the creation of life. How could the church be uh, opposed to that? And the question, second, two other things here. Why would God give us the intelligence to invent IVF, introvito, um, uh, fertilization or why should god give a soul to those conceived by it if it were sinful and then a comment from a couple who's used ivf i have a child conceived through ivf and he's the most wonderful thing in my life the church is just wrong there well blessed be god dear one that you have a child conceived through ivf and that he's the most wonderful thing in your life but the church is not wrong absolutely not wrong you you need to know if you're catholic the church in its essence is truly the body of Christ, not metaphorically. Christ is the head, and it is without sin. The people, the members are sinful, but the church in its essence is pure. Its teaching is infallible. And so um, here are um, here is the, the comments that Todd writes, Tom, comments such as these, wrapped up as they often are with powerful emotions, show how the church's prohibition of IVF may be the single hardest teaching for Catholics to understand and accept. And it, it's very hard, whether it's the single hardest for all, it's very hard to understand and accept. I can accept it because I, I absolutely believe the church's Christ's body on earth, that he has, has given the deposit of faith, that he will lead it into all truth to the end of time, that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I believe that. Does that mean I understand it? No. But does it mean that if I don't understand something, I question it? Not to question if it's true, but to question to understand the wisdom of the church. That's what I need to study. And so Todd writes, there are other Catholic moral teachings that radically contradict the spirit of the age, of course. For example, the prohibition of abortion and contraception that the church teaches, that contradicts the spirit of the age, or the insistence on a natural definition of marriage that includes sexual complementarity, fidelity, and permanence. So it goes against the age, sexual complementarity, uh, with all that's going on with same-sex marriage, uh, fidelity, people are not... Uh, faithful today and permanence uh, people just leave a marriage if it doesn't suit them anymore regardless of whatever vows they took so this is against the culture but todd says although those teachings have their dissenters i'd wager that most catholics can at least see in them a basic reasonableness they prescribe things that violate life or that offend our natural sense that human love should be generous self-giving and ordered to the family. Not everyone may agree with such teachings or succeed in living up to them at all times, but they still get it. They still understand it. Again, they may do, all right, the church wants us to be faithful, self-giving, ordered to the family, all of that. We understand that, but we don't agree. Well, that's another matter, whether you agree or not. But it's reasonable. You can understand it. Todd says here, the teaching on IVF, introvito fertilization, is harder to grasp. It creates human life. It makes babies for people who want to love and care for them. And so the question is, how can this be bad? Isn't the church, after all, in favor of life? So how can we explain, Todd asks, how can we explain this hard teaching to others, Catholic and non-Catholic? This is if something is true, beloved, it's true for every soul on the face of the earth, not just for Catholics, not just for Christians. It's true for everyone. It's God's teaching. In a way, how can we explain this hard teaching to others, Catholic and non-Catholic, in a way that speaks to the reasons why so many people refuse to accept it, and that shows compassion for the painful burden of infidelity? I offer four points, Todd says, to keep in mind, four points, and I'm sure they don't exhaust the subject. But I know, probably you do too, Austin, many Christians, uh, Catholic and non-Catholic, who have gone for in vitro fertilization, either because they're ignorant of the church's teaching, they don't know, and in the Protestant world, probably they won't know that, um, or they do know it and they think this is unreasonable Catholic teaching and the Catholic Church is wrong, they're going to do it anyway because they don't want to live with the pain of infertility. But 
You will then, if you know it, live with the pain of a life without Christ. That's a worse pain, beloved. There's the music for our break. Um, And we'll be back right after the break. Beloved, I know you have other emails and texts on the line, but If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. It's good to be back with you. And if we, it, it seemed to me that we were really cut off uh, before the breaks. I apologize for that. Um, but you are welcome. We've, this is our last segment. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. We're on Austin's text. Austin said, "I've seen documented on YouTube and other internet platforms stories when two people decide on in vitro fertilization and become pregnant. Did God have a hand in them becoming pregnant? Did God give that cause that pregnancy? Does that child have a soul?" And I've said the answer is absolutely yes. Every single child um, has a soul. And so um, how could God be involved? This is the answer. God is the author of life. Um, And so how could the church be opposed to the creation of life? Of course, the church is not, but it's opposed to the creation of life in a way that God did not Design And so like the Tower of Babel, where God confused all the people and their languages, um, when we start doing something that is outside of God's design, God is the only creator and we decide to be God and make babies ourselves. Does God respect that in the way that he gives that little life a soul? Absolutely, he does uh, in his love, in his mercy. But it's not right. And so... Uh, Todd from um, uh, Catholic Answers on their website has a wonderful article and says, how can we explain this hard teaching, hard teaching to others, uh, everybody, Catholic or non-Catholic? And Todd says he's going to offer four points. And I'm going to continue um, these points, uh, beloved, um, because, even if it's our subject for this last segment, because it's so important. So many people are confused by this, and so many people enter into sin this way. Uh, so Todd's first point is that life is a gift, not a right. Children are a lot of work. 
they're expensive, they're messy. And this sounds like somebody who's a father. Um, and they eat time. And as I once heard it, aptly put, what they're also wonderful, they can bring spiritual, emotional, and biological fulfillment. And sometimes we can fall into a trap of thinking that we are due such fulfillment because we want it so badly or because we have so much love to give, or because we faithfully followed God's rule book by getting married and opening ourselves to life. But no one is ever due another human person. God gives life as a pure gift, not as something owed. This is so important, beloved, because so many parents are in tears. Why won't God give us a fourth child or a third child or first child? Why won't God do that? Um, what's wrong? Have we sinned? And the thing is, you can pray for a child, of course. God may want you to adopt a child. There may be children out there that God really wants to have a family. Who knows? All, God knows for sure. But it can't be a complaint because we're not do something. God does not owe us a child. Um, indeed, as the... Um, um, CDF, uh, um, the, the, uh, not the council, uh, the doctrine of the faith, um, put it in, in another paper, Donum Vitae, I would suggest you read that, Donum, D-U-N-U-M, Vitae, V-I-T-A-E, um, oh, I can't think of the C, it's not the council on the doctrine of the faith, uh, I, it's the doctrine of the faith, but I just can't think of it right now. It's, it is not parents who have rights here, but the child specifically has the right to be the fruit of the specific act of the conjugal love of his parents and the right to be respected as a person from the moment of his conception. See, it's not our rights. It's the child's right. And when we contracept, when we... Uh, partake in abortion, we are violating the child's right aside from murdering a child. Once we understand this, and I think most people upon reflection can see it, Todd says, we see some of the justification for the intro veto fertilization vanish. Some of our justification for it disappears because we cannot justify it. So number one, life is a gift, not, not a right. Secondly, doing justice, um, to the creator. Um, Okay, I'm going to stop for a moment. Uh, John from Kentucky, we have a call, and I always want to stop for calls. Are you there, dear one? Yes, Mother. How are you this morning? I'm good. Thank you, John. Still getting over this cold, but getting better every day. Yeah, I had one that hang on, was hanging on to. There you go. Um, Mother, I, I, I want to know if you know about a campaign that was started by the USCCB, and it's called Civilize It, with the byline Dignity Beyond the Debate. Are you aware of that? You Have know, you uh, John, I saw something that said Civilize It. It was in the news. It might have been Catholic News. And I didn't stop to read it or pay attention to it, or I thought it was something, you know, with the title like Civilize It, something that the corrupt government was going after with a title like that. I didn't know it was the USCCB. So, no, I'm not familiar with it at all. And I'm not saying it's corrupt. It's just that Civilize It usually would refer to uh, civilizing something that we would think is sin. So I didn't stop to read it. But what is it? Well, if you, you it, it has a whole website, civilizes. I will look you, it up why, after the program. Mm-hmm. And it says dignity beyond the debate. Okay, for me, um, it's almost like um, I don't know. Years ago, they uh, you know the people used to tell me all the time, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. You 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 you, you know how that's they, a quote from Saint so Francis of Assisi. Yes. Yeah, and, and and except it was always used, what they were really saying. Uh, they were I'm, really I'm saying, stop Father talking, Bill. I know. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm friends with Father Bill Casey, and he told me one time, what they really want you to do is shut up. Well, he's and, very right. And, 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 
at any rate, he's I, wrong. I, I mean, what he said. Let me just clarify that. Or I'll get calls. Father Casey's a wonderful holy priest, and what he said to you is right. They really don't want you to speak, but the but the statement is not wrong. We should preach the gospel always in everything we do and don't do and say and don't say, but we should preach the gospel in words for sure. Oh, right, absolutely, sister. I understand. I I, I understand that. Yes. But anyway, I, I really objected to them. I went on the website and what they were talking about and how they were talking and what they wrote. That's why I'll be really curious after you go there to see what you think. Because, I will go there, John. Um, Give me in a sentence the summary. In, in a sentence, what is it saying? I, is it... <laughs> Is it saying soft speak, don't really be, don't give people the gospel too too hardly? Is it saying be careful how you talk? I think it's a hit on people like you, um, hmm. church militant, life site news. Okay. That's <laughs> what I think. Yeah, okay? you might and, be and, right. And, mm-hmm. You can go ahead and read between the lines. That's why I'm, I, I really want your opinion because I object to it. You know, it's it, it's saying civilize it. Let's let's dialogue, and you know, there's not a lot to dialogue about what's going on in the church anymore, as far as I'm concerned. You I, know what, my I dear brother? I know I keep I keep interrupting you because I I agree with you 100. percent And the thing is, I, I mentioned earlier that the reason I didn't stop to see it is I thought it was some secular plea for the church to get with the secular world. And if bishops are coming out telling Catholics to civilize it, that's not a good thing. I think that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. That's uh, souls are at stake. So I'm going to look at it, John, before I can give it you a definite opinion. Right. Uh, I, I was taken back by I know Michael Worst did a thing on it. I, I don't know about it. A few other people have said things about it, but it just really it just really rubbed me wrong. So I'll be I'm always listening to you. So I would love to have your opinion. Well, uh, John, I will make it my business to go on to the website today. And if you will, dear one, give a call in tomorrow, Friday. And so you can um, refresh the question and I'll be able to answer it then. Okay, God bless you, sister. Okay, you too, my dear one. God bless you, mother. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. Beloved, we're going to go back to the article on uh, in vitro fertilization to say that people are arguing it's my right, I can do it. Well, you, it's, you have a right to sin. You have a right. You don't have a right to sin. You have a right. The only rights God has given us is to follow God, to follow him, to be holy. But we have free will, and that gives us uh, the right, so to speak, to do wrong. But God hasn't given us that right. He's given us free will to choose what is right, not to choose what is wrong, but he's given us the freedom to turn from him and do that. So um, Todd's first point is life is a gift, not a, a right. When people want to exercise um, their right to in, in vitro fertilization, it's not a right. Life is a gift, and it's only for God to gift, not for us to, to give, not for us to invent. Point two, doing justice to the Creator is Todd's second point. Um, God does not owe us children, but we do owe Him something. Obedience to His moral law, which as Catholics, we believe the Church communicates without error. It is God's right to require that the transmission of life be the natural consequence of the conjugal act, or to put it another way, that it flow naturally from the love between a husband and wife who cooperate with God as co-creators by calling into existence new persons with immortal souls and eternal destinies. That sentence is perfect, Todd. I know you're not listening necessarily, but I'm going to repeat it. That um, that creation of a child flows naturally from the love between husband and wife who cooperate with God as co-creators by calling into existence new persons with immortal souls and eternal destinies. IVF, intravito fertilization, which substitutes the clinical collection of sperm and egg. If you, if anyone here does not know what it is, here's the definition. IVF substitutes the clinical collection of sperm and egg for the marital act. In other words, the sperm, sperm, the sperm and egg are produced apart from the marital act. Technology, technical, I'm not speaking right. 
technological intervention for the natural cooperation between God and couples fails to give God his due. This is the essence of what we call sin. And, um, and Todd is quoting from Domin, uh, Donum Vitae, D-O-N-U-N, Donum Vitae, V-I-T-A-E. It numbers four through six. Look that up. Um, it's life-giving. It's not uh, human invention. Some people argue that God nonetheless gives the gift of life to persons created through artificial means. Uh, they're not zombies or robots. They're full human beings with immortal souls that God specially created. That's correct. But doesn't that mean that he approves? No, it doesn't. It's true that God has chosen to bind himself to holding up his end of creating new human life whenever the bare biological conditions are met, whether through natural intercourse or through IVF, whether through a selfless act of married love or an act of fornication or even rape. Unless you want to say that God also approves of fornication or rape, which he doesn't, though it doesn't follow that he approves of every act that results in new life. And then... um we don't have much time here, beloved, but the third um, point of Todd's is unintended um, consequences. The church's teaching on IVF is based first and foremost on the immorality of the act itself. In many cases, there are side issues that would make it problematic, even if it were not itself immoral. And, go, and Todd goes on, we won't have time to, to those side issues, uh, side problems. Fourthly, know the alternatives. Just as any answer to doubts about church teaching or contraception must include positive mention of morally licit means of spacing birth, uh, such as natural family planning, and that is for very, very serious means, answering doubts about church teaching on IVF must positively and pastorally address the plight of couples who have difficulty conceiving. And there are many of those. There are, there are, um, uh, and again, I won't continue to read this paper today, but if, if you go up, if you go on Catholic uh, Answers and you just type in the word soul, um, you type in um, uh, the hardest teaching we'll ever have, uh, into their search box, you will get this and you'll be able to read the full article. I want to go on to our program tomorrow to our calls um, and not read you the full program. But um, because God in, is involved in our life, even in the creating life, does not mean he approves it. He doesn't approve of great rape. He doesn't approve of our sin, and yet he lets us exist. Um, he doesn't approve of everyone born into original sin from Adam and Eve, and yet he allows us to exist and to turn our lives around to repent and be saved. So that's it for today, beloved, and uh, we'll be with you tomorrow. God bless you.